Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Folks, another bad call, I think, by Bill Barr yesterday. I'm really sorry. I don't mean to pile on. I'm not into this uh, calling people out for no good reason for effect kind of thing, but just a terrible call by the attorney general on the special counsel thing. I'm going to get to that. Um, I also want to get through Trump. Uh, President Trump met with members of Congress yesterday who will object to the Electoral College readout on January 6th. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for the process? What does that mean for the election? I'll get to that. Most importantly, I'm going to start off today with our system of government. It's just it's just entirely broken. It's entirely broken. Our system of elections, our system of spending taxpayer money, our system of spending fabricated printed money. We just print like monopoly money. It's entirely broken. I've got a series of really good videos. One, a viral speech yesterday by Rand Paul that went nuclear on the floor talking about this and also making his return because they've been so popular by popular demand, a short clip by Milton Friedman explaining how this will inevitably lead to the collapse of the Republic to inflation if we don't get our arms around it. All right, let's get to it. Um, Folks, today's show brought to you by ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity from prying eyeballs. Surf the web in peace. Get a VPN. Go to expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today on this uh, Christmas week? Fine, sir. Yeah, hey, I'm doing well, man. And, um, you know, those uh, the clips you, we got today you sent to me are some of the best series of clips. You like them, right? That I've seen for this yeah, show. Yeah, I thought yeah. so, too. Yeah. The Dinesh one's good, too. Yeah. Dinesh yeah. D'Souza. We Real got good. Milton Friedman. Yeah, we're going to light it up. I'm glad you liked it. We put a lot of work into today's show. All right, folks, stay tuned. That's the best tease ever, Joe Armacost tease. Today's show brought to you by friends (laughs) at FitBod. Hey, listen, you new to the gym or you've been lifting for years? Everybody knows it's hard to find the right work workout program and stick to it. I, I listen, you wind up surfing the web for stuff. You get these uh, workouts not tailored for you, and then you do it, doesn't work, and then you're done with the gym. Well, we have an app for that, FitBod. It's a smart fitness app. Takes all the guesswork out of planning your workouts, makes them fun, tailors them for you. FitBot's, uh, FitBod's algorithm factors in your goals, your experience level, the equipment you have, workout duration, and muscle recovery to intelligently craft the absolute perfect total body workout program just for you. You know how I know it works? When I see you out with Miss Paula, like some people saw her this weekend at Turning Point, they're like, gosh. She looks really jacked and in great shape. What is it? It's FitBod. I've been using it too because with each workout, the app learns your abilities, plans your workouts designed to maximize your results. New Year's coming up, New Year's resolutions, FitBod. And by cycling new exercises into the mix, it prevents that boredom. FitBod combines the knowledge of fitness pros with a powerful machine learning algorithm, gives you a workout program, maximizes your results. Whether your goal is general fitness, strength training, muscle tone, bodybuilding, powerlifting, even Olympic weightlifting, no equipment, no worries. FitBot is body weight routines for those looking to get it, uh, get fit at home or on the go. FitBot's super easy to use, even has HD video tutorials to make learning new exercises a breeze right there. You can see how to do it. It integrates with other fitness and health apps like Apple Health, Fitbit, and Strava. Personalized training can be tough on a budget. FitBot is only $9.99 a month or $59.99 a year. You're not going to get a better deal than that. Try one month of workouts absolutely free. Get a personalized fitness plan like I do that helps you work out smarter at fitbod.me slash Bongino. Make sure you get the URL right. fitbod.me slash Bongino. Try FitBod for free for one month when you sign up today. fitbod.me slash Bongino. That's one free month when you sign up at fitbod.me slash Bongino. All right, Joe, let's go. All right. Ding, ding. 
<laughs> excited there, huh? <laughs> Folks, our system of government is broken. Our system of elections is broken. I mean, whose brilliant idea was it to let's just send out a bunch of unsolicited mail ballots in states where we don't even have voter ID and let's see what happens. What a great idea. Actually, it was a stupid idea that only stupid people would agree to. And fortunately for the people who like stupid people, the stupidest people amongst the stupid people crowd have been aggregating where in government the dumbest of the dumb managed to go and work as politicians and bureaucrats that run elections and governments in liberal states that's totally broken i think we can all agree but what else is broken folks the republic is broken i'm really sorry the constitution was the greatest governing document in the history of humankind but it has had some dreadful failures i know you don't want to hear that and I'm really sorry, but I have to break you. I love the founding fathers, their vision, their bravery, doing what they did, but they never anticipated that such weak, gutless, spineless, visionless people would be elected to serve in our House of Representatives and in the Senate. Why am I so upset about this today? Because folks, economics is dead. We are on the absolute certain path to bankruptcy as a nation, and nobody seems to care. What am I talking about? The porculus bill was passed yesterday. Stimulus bill. Otherwise, there's no stim. The government doesn't stimulate anything. When are we going to stop with the language? It's not stimulus. I don't care who said it. Mnuchin, some of your favorite Republicans. I don't care. The government doesn't stimulate anything. It's not possible for the government to stimulate anything because anything the government uses financially to stimulate, it has to unstimulate by taking financially from, from you. We're taking our money to give us our money. So they passed this stimulus bill last night. I would urge the president to veto this disaster because it is loaded with pork and junk that has nothing to do with stimulation. Article in our show notes today. You can always access the show notes or the newsletter. It's the same thing. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Please subscribe. We get you the best news of the day. Take a little note here. Red State. Senator Ted Cruz is right. Congress labeled the end of the year spending bill COVID relief to cover all the pork. Jennifer Von Lahr, uh, Red State. Read this article. You want to see some gems that were in this stimulus bill? Again, dreaded air quotes. From the red state piece. This is all supposed to be stimulation. It says, of course, once the text of the bill was available, journalists, pundits, and lay people all delve into its contents and started itemizing all the pork in the bill from both sides of the aisle, claiming it was a COVID stimulus bill or a COVID relief bill. Okay, so let's go through this, Joe. Does this have to do with COVID? The Kennedy Center, 26.4 million. That's a COVID, what, what no. the Kennedy Center. This Kennedy Center really seems to make it every single time. Yeah, this Kennedy that. Center, they have to be, Joe, would you not agree? The most politically connected people <laughs> in the history of humankind, <laughs> the Kennedy the Kennedy Center, 26.4 million. That's in the domestic <laughs> True, part. The Smithsonian. Is yeah. Smithsonian. Am, am I reading that correctly? Is that a billion dollars? Yeah. A billion dollars for yeah. the Smithsonian? Is that right? I'm, I'm not... National Art Gallery, 154 million. National Arts and Humanities, 167,000. The Woodrow Wilson Center, 14,000 bucks. I'm, I'm sure this is a good. And I'm, what is the COVID? Oh, here, wait, 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 wait. It gets even better. That's just the domestic poor. Here's another one 
foreign countries. Um, Egypt, like, a, what? what is that, 1.3 billion? I'm missing the commas. The, 700 million for, for Sudan. Ukraine got money. Israel, Nepal got money, too. That's always uh, good. Uh-huh. You got to throw that Nepal money in there, too. You know, <laughs> can't do a COVID relief, Nepal. You know, I don't know. Maybe there's going to be some some mountain, uh, some peaking to the, you know, the, the, the top of mountains going on. Some Nepalese folks were doing some stimulation for the Sherpas. I, I don't know what we're doing. I love Sherpas, <laughs> but does that have anything to do with, are we, are we, are, we, are the Sherpas getting like, what is it, tips for Sherpas? I don't understand what we're doing here. Folks, we don't have this money. Like that's the problem here. We don't have the money. Has anyone stopped for a moment? And by anyone, I don't mean the conservatives and libertarians who watch my show who are actually smart. I mean the liberals who watch my show because I get your nasty grams. Have you stopped for a moment and ever said to yourself, this is why I said, I just said before I left, that economics is dead and common sense with it. We are on the certain path to bankruptcy. We are $27 trillion in debt as a nation that only produces about $22 trillion in wealth every year. We owe everything we produce in a year and then some, a $5 trillion tip. Propina. Has anyone stopped the liberals and said, well, where is all this dinero, dough, money, bread? Where is it coming from? Has anyone stopped it? Well, Rand Paul did. Senator Rand Paul, who's one of the few principled guys left up on Capitol Hill, voted against this porculous disaster and gave a speech that quickly went viral yesterday on the floor. I can't play the whole thing. It's nine and a half minutes long. But I encourage you to listen to the whole thing because it's very good. Here's just a short clip of it where Rand Paul asked a kind of common sense question, right, Joe? Paula comments says, where'd the money come from? Yeah. Paula says, that's right. It's common sense, right? I mean, we, you'd like to know, like, if your daughter showed up in your house and she was 16 or 17 yesterday with a suitcase full of a trillion dollars, that'd be a lot of suitcases. Your first question would probably be, hey, uh, or like a bearer bond for that. Where'd that dough come from? So Rand Paul asked this on the House floor yesterday. Check this clip out. This is very, very good. This bill is free money for everyone. Proponents don't care if you're fully employed or own your own house or own your own business. Free money for everyone, they cry. And yet, if free money were the answer, if money really grew on trees, why not give more free money? Why not give it out all the time? Why stop at $600 a person? Why not $1,000? Why not $2,000? Maybe these new free money Republicans should join the Everybody Gets a Guaranteed Income Caucus. Why not $20,000 a year for everybody? Why not $30,000? If we can print up money with impunity, why not do it? The Treasury can just keep printing the money. That is, until someone points out that the emperor has no clothes and that the dollar no longer has value. You know what's really crazy when you talk about the pending collapse of the constitutional republic, if we don't do something? I'll talk about what can be done because I never want to leave you with a problem without a solution in a moment. But you know how how you've reached the point of no return and the point of maximum tragedy? When the Babylon Bee a satire site like The Onion. It's a, it, the site's a, it's a joke. It's meant to be satire. When the Babylon Bee headline is absolutely right and satire becomes real life. Here's an actual headline to Babylon Bee, not a joke. <laughs> Americans excitedly anticipate getting paid with their own money. 
the Babylon Bee. It's a satire site. Yes. That's a that's yes. that's not that's funny because it's true. Right. We're all like, yes, six hundred dollar checks from who? From us. From us. Where did the money come from? Rand Paul asked a common sense question. Where'd the money come from? I got to start walking around with the show. Can we get a bigger studio? I really do. Old like Glenn Beck style when he was on Fox at five o'clock. We need to do that. I need to start walking around because I have too much energy to do this show sitting down. That's why I'm always rolling around. It drives Paula crazy. She's like, stop moving. You're ruining my shot. That's my fault, not hers. Where did the money come from? So, folks, in order to make this simple, not for the conservatives, I'm very sorry, but for the liberals who watch my show, who never seem to ever ask this question, Rand Paul asked, where did we get this money? $600 going to show up in your mailbox? Wow. Where did it come from? I don't know. Well, it comes from three spots. That money the government sends you can come from you via your taxes. Send the government 600 in taxes. They take a cut for themselves. They send you back your 600 plus what? 200 for them? Who knows? We can borrow it from foreign nations, which we've done. Say, oh, well, that doesn't sound too bad. You folks, we don't, they are not lending us this money. They are capped out. Foreign nations, notably Japan, China, and the UK, some of our biggest foreign bondholders, haven't lent even a fraction of what you're getting in the mail. So if it ain't coming from taxes, because the tax base every year is like 2.4 to 2.5 to $3 trillion in total taxes paid to the government, and we're spending $5 trillion, and the other $2 trillion isn't being made up by foreign governments, then you should ask yourself, if this bill was roughly $900 billion or another trillion, where did we get the money from if it didn't come from taxes and it didn't come from foreign borrowing? The answer is we're just printing it. Printing They don't like monopoly money. Hey, here's $100. Write it on it. It's called counterfeiting when you do it. When the government does it, it's called stimulus. Why is it when you do it, it's a federal crime? But when the government does it, again, it's called stimulus. Well, when you do it, it's a crime because people sense the inherent unfairness of you going to your computer and printing up $100 bills, correct? Folks, it's a very sensitive topic to me. In my prior line of work as a federal agent, we investigated currency counterfeiting. That's actually how the Secret Service was founded, not to protect the president. That didn't happen until 1910. The Secret Service was founded in 1865 to investigate counterfeiting because it was such a rampant problem. And people were like, that doesn't sound fair. I have to work for my money. And some dude gets to print it. But when the government does it, we all clap and liberals bark, bark like seals. This is so great. We're printing it. Well, what happens when the governments print money? Governments, not just us. It's happening all over the world right now. Liberals don't see, and they they see no downside to this whatsoever. Oh, it's government. They know what they're doing. They're printing it. There'll never be a downside. Really? Because when you print money not backed up by value, just like when Joey Bag of Donuts prints counterfeit bills in his house he hasn't worked for, what happens? There's an inherent asymmetry here. If everybody just started printing money in their homes, breaking federal law and printing up $100 bills randomly, you would have a whole bunch of extra $100 bills, right, Joe? Yeah, that's right. Because everybody would just start printing them. Yeah. And the problem is you wouldn't have that many products 
to suck up those $100 bills because the people printing them on their home computers didn't actually produce anything to get them. They didn't produce medicine. They didn't produce tables. They didn't produce phones. They didn't produce pens, notebooks, gavels, St. Michael medals, rocks that the Giantes gave me. They didn't do that. They just printed paper. So a whole lot of paper, paper you print in your house is chasing the same number of products or less because nobody's producing any products, which makes what? Those products really expensive. It's called inflation. But again, when government does it, liberals are like, no, I'm sure they know what they're doing. Do they? Here's the great Milton Friedman. We love Milton Friedman. I know he's been making a lot of appearances on the show, but no one explains it better than Milton Friedman. God rest his heroic soul. Here is Milton Friedman explaining the terror of inflation, how inflation, this is a long clip, but this one I'm not going to play, it's about a minute and so, but this clip, he, this speech he gives is very long. He explains how inflation has collapsed empires and countries, the Weimar Republic, countries in South America, Chile entirely collapsed their economy, and it's a government phenomenon every single time. Watch the brilliant Milton Friedman. Today, governments control the quantity of money so that as a result, inflation in the United States is made in Washington and nowhere else. Of course, no government any more than any one of us likes to take responsibility for bad things. We're all of us human. If something bad happens, it wasn't our fault. And the government is the same way. So it doesn't accept responsibility for inflation. If you listen to people in Washington talk, they will tell you that inflation is produced by greedy businessmen, or it's produced by grasping unions, or it's produced by spendthrift consumers. Or maybe it's those terrible Arab sheiks who are producing. Now, of course, businessmen are greedy. Who of us isn't? Trade unions are grasping. Who of us isn't? And there's no doubt that the consumer is a spendthrift. At least every man knows that about his wife. But none of them produce inflation for the very simple reason that neither the businessman, nor the trade union, nor the housewife has a printing press in their basement on which they can turn out those green pieces of paper we call money. Only Washington has that printing press and therefore, only Washington can produce inflation. I just wanted to know, my wife's like, what? You spend way more than me. <laughs> she, she strongly objects to the wife, which is true. If it wasn't for her, we'd be broke. I could get like crazy sometimes. Outside of, that's, outside of that's genius. The government has the official printing press. But the actions they take are no different than if you were to have a printing press in your house and do the same thing. The government prints more money, either digitally or literally prints it through bills. It winds up in banks in circulation and it chases products that nobody produced. You get money to produce products. You work in a furniture factory, you produce furniture, you get paid those bills and go out and chase other products people work for to produce. That's not what happened when the government prints money. More bills, more money chases the same or even less products for nothing because nothing was created or done. And what do you get? You get massive inflation as more money chases less stuff. It's not hard. 
But when the government does a porculous bill, money it doesn't have through taxes, it hasn't borrowed, and doesn't come from a rainy day fund, and they print it, everybody says, no worries. They know what they're doing. Do they? Let me just rewind to the beginning where I told you the stupidest people among us in a country of 330 million, the dumbest among us, all happen to get elected to Congress and the Senate and individual state houses at the same time. Not all of them. There's a few good ones left, the Rand Pauls of the world. But if you were to take general IQ tests, I can pretty much guarantee you the dumbest of all of us, aptitude and achievement-wise, happen to reside in elected positions in government. Economics is dead. That's why I keep playing these Friedman videos. We have to bring it back. Or there is no hope. A largely ignorant society of common sense rules of economics cannot possibly continue. What did Herb Stein, Ben Stein's father, remember Ben Stein from uh, Ferris Bueller, Bueller? You know, his dad, Herb Stein, was a very famous economist. Not a joke. Herb Stein had this rule. What can't continue, won't. Damn, that doesn't sound like, no, no, it's a genius rule. This can't continue and it won't. What will happen? We will eventually collapse into an inflationary spiral. Like what happened in Weimar and elsewhere where business owners had to pay their employees three times a day. Not a joke. Had to pay them in the morning because by the afternoon, the morning money was no good anymore. This isn't a joke. Oh. By the afternoon, they had to get paid oh. because the afternoon money wouldn't be good in the evening. And then they had to pay them again in the evening because the afternoon money was no good anymore because it was worth something totally different. You think that's a joke? Look hmm. that up. All right, I got the solution coming up. And there is this, I don't like to propose problems to you and be, a, uh, you know, a, a, apocalyptic without presenting to you some solution and path forward. But it requires people with guts, cojones, and smarts. And we don't have any of them in D.C. after the porculous bill yesterday. Veto this thing. Take a stand now or we're not going to have anything left. I'll get to the solution in a minute. Let me get to my second sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a great gift for the holidays. Uh, for those of you looking for a very special and unique gift, right? What better thing than iTarget? Listen, we've been reminded, sadly, this year about a lot of things. Important, the importance of the Second Amendment, protecting yourself and your family. This holiday, give a really unique gift, the gift of safety and practice with your firearm. Give them iTarget Pro. You have the constitutional right to self-defense. We know that. But you have a moral obligation to be safe. But to be safe, you have to own a firearm, number one. But you have to be proficient with it. Proficiency matters. Ammo is really expensive. It's tough to get to the range. Some of the ranges are closing down right now. That's why iTarget was invented. They have a proprietary app and a laser round. You can now train safely in the convenience of your own home with your actual firearm. No manipulations to your firearm necessary. You drop that laser round in and you practice your dry fire training. What's dry fire training? It's when you take a dry firearm, empty. You check it, you check it twice. It is not loaded with any live ammunition. You drop in the laser round from iTarget Pro. It comes with a target. And now, instead of depressing the trigger on a safely unloaded uh, firearm, the laser will emit a round and you see where the round would have landed on the target. The perfect way to practice. You fire in a little low left, a little low right. Maybe you're anticipating. Fix that all with iTarget Pro. Practice your breath control, trigger control, sight alignment, sight picture, muscle memory, your grip, your, your um, use of cover, whatever you need. iTarget Pro comes in all major calibers, even 223 and 556. Today, you can save 10% 
Plus, get free shipping with the offer code Dan at checkout. This is a spectacular gift. They've been a sponsor for a long time. The email feedback on the show, if I had time, I'd read them all, is spectacular. People can't put this product down. No joke. When you go to itargetpro.com, get that 10% off, plus free shipping with promo code Dan. It's the smartest, best way for you to practice. It pays for itself in just a few days. You won't put it down. That's the letter itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com. Use offer code Dan. Thanks, itargetpro. All right, so what's the solution? Anybody can sit here and whine about how stupid people elected to office are and they really, how economics is dead. Well, we revive economics, one, by educating folks like Friedman has educated me. And I'm hopefully passing this on to you. But there is a solution to this. What's the basic problem with the government printing money? Well, I explained it to you before. You print a whole lot of money nobody worked for. There's no value behind it. It's printed and it goes and chases the same amount of products. Medicine, school uh, tuition, products and services, fans, Kenny Bells, whatever. And those products get more expensive because there's more bills chasing them. It's not complicated math, only for liberals. So the solution, if you're going to print money, which we've done, you can't unprint it. Sorry, folks. You can't unprint it. You can increase interest rates to dry some of it up. But one of the things we can do is focus on producing more stuff. So more stuff will eventually even out the more money and we won't have dramatic inflation. I'm not suggesting that's the best idea. Printing money is still a horrible, awful, stupid idea. But now that it's been done, we've got to fix it. So we've got to produce more stuff called an economics productivity. And Andy Kessler, who I love this guy's writing at the Wall Street Journal, it's really spectacular. I highly recommend it. K-E-S-S-L-E-R. He writes, uh, I don't know, every other day, every third day column at the Wall Street Journal, and they are always must-reads. He had this piece up at the Wall Street Journal, which addresses this very same point, how productivity and producing more stuff, more output, with either less input or the same input, will help eventually stave off this inflationary scenario. Well, the article isn't specifically about inflation, but I'm telling you, we have to produce more stuff to basically chase all the money we're printing or everything's going to get really expensive and you will be drowned out and nations have collapsed. The article's called Andy Kessler, How Tech Got Ready for 2020. And he brings up a couple interesting phenomena, how this awful year when it comes to coronavirus and just the election results. It's just been a bad year, folks. Not the worst year in human history. People tend to get a little dramatic. Ask the people who fought in the trenches of World War I if it was the worst year. This this doesn't even come close. It was bad, really bad, but it wasn't anywhere close to that. That's the, you know, men and women of Pearl Harbor. You know, if this was the worst year in human history. Not. Shockingly, there's... The coronavirus is obviously a massive human tragedy, folks. But we have to be able to look at least through some kind of positive lens or we'll all be depressed all the time. A lot of technology was forced upon us by this epic human disaster. And Kessler addresses it in a piece. And this leads into productivity. How we learned how to produce more services really fast because we had to. He brings up a couple things. How our technology in the United States is still better than anywhere else. She says streaming via Netflix and a dozen other, other, other services was ready. And then some. People sat home. These home entertainment systems were ready for it. He says next year, major, major studio films will appear simultane- simultaneously in theaters and on streaming services. Previously unthinkable. 
You say, all right, well, that's entertainment stuff. That's not that important, Dan. What else are we producing? He says, well, the ready list stuff of, you know, that was ready with the pandemic was amazing. Contactless payments through Apple Pay. Uh, he says, though Apple Pay didn't work well with masks, meal delivery, grocery delivery, retail logistics, e-billing, ticketless travel, airport security line, cutting retinal scans, motion sensing Purell dispensers. Amazon was ready with essentials. But six weeks to deliver a book? He goes, yes, I've heard of Kindle. And weirdly, ballpark crowd noise sold to video game companies was sold back to teams, all accidentally ready. The point Kessler's making is that we are still the United States. And despite the mass of stupid people that have all aggregated on Capitol Hill, amazingly, the dumbest among us all happened to be in Capitol Hill at one time. The United States is full of entrepreneurs and hardworking patriots who have still figured out ways, even in a pandemic, to produce stuff people value. Everything from entertainment to Major League Baseball teams valuing crowd noise to make the experience seem genuine. Contactless payments. People have figured it out. You don't have to touch stuff where the viral transmission could touch your hand. People can just wave their phones. Retinal scans at airports. I have that. I, Paula, what's it called? The thing we do at the airport with the retinal scan? What's that thing called? Do you remember? The line. Gosh, I can't think of it. What? I have it. I love it. It's the greatest thing ever. You go up to the TSA line. They have a special line. You put your eyeballs or your fingerprints down. Boom, right there. You don't even have to show your driver's license. All this stuff was ready. So the bad news, all the stupid people have decided to vote on a bill where we're going to print money we don't have that are going to chase products. The semi-good news, clear. Yes, clear. I love clear. I love that. It's the greatest thing ever. The good news, even though these idiots are printing money we don't have, we can still minimize the consequences. There will be consequences. The Daniel Day-Lewis, there will be blood. Make no mistake. Remember that movie? That was a great movie. But we can minimize the blood loss by producing services and products in enough quantities in this entrepreneurial great society that we at least minimize the effects. Trying to leave you with some good news. I just wish we didn't have so many stupid people in D.C. The dumbest among us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the, by chance, you'd think like a, at least a few <laughs> smart people would make it up <laughs> just by pure odds? chance alone. <laughs> what are the odds that all of the dumbest people all are up on Capitol Hill? It's just incredible. <laughs> it really is. That's why like I said people, I love it when people, you know, poke fun at me online for losing elections. They never ran it. They've never run for office ever. It happens all It drives yeah. Paula nuts. It's it does. They, right, they always uh, respond to me back on Parlor or through, yeah. like, you lost three elections for us. Yeah, 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 okay. I've lost a lot of things in life. I didn't get into medical school either. I struck out a lot my first year of Little League. We've also started $100 million companies, the most successful podcast behind Ben Shapiro on the planet, uh, Bongino Report, and others. Life is full of failures, folks. I got news for you, but I get in the ring and I throw punches while you sit on the sideline like a bunch of cowardly chumps you are, the criticizers, and throw popcorn at the guys actually boxing for a living. You can plant a big wet one on my arse. My man. Sideline <laughs> criticizers. I love them. Yeah. Nah. Best thing that ever happened, seriously, was me losing that race. My 
It was like Obi-Wan Kenobi. You strike me down, we will get strong. This show has given us a platform we would have never had up there in that mess of imbeciles. Listen, I covered this yesterday, moving on. Uh, Bill Barr is, uh, I, I don't want to pile on. He has done a lot of good things and I respect the man's gusto and guts. He has done some good things and we shouldn't deny that. But a series of just, I think, misstatements and really bad choices are plaguing his last days. I think his last day is the 20, 23rd, what's today? The 22nd, so tomorrow. These, of course, the attorney general, there are liberals listening who don't know that. Um, here's another one at the Epic Times. You can read the story again in the show notes. Bill Barr says he has no plans to appoint a special counsel in the Hunter Biden probe. Why? By Tom Ozimek, Epic Times. Again, I don't mean he said, I, I, I have a lot of respect for the man. I, I think his hearings up on Capitol Hill, he had a lot of guts. He's made a lot of good calls, but I covered a lot of yesterday. His, his statements about the CIA, I think we're, maybe I'm reading them wrong. I don't know. Watch yesterday's show. You'll see what I mean. I don't want to relitigate that, but why are we not naming a special counsel in the Hunter Biden case? We know there's an active FBI investigation. We know now that there's a strong possibility that Joe Biden will become the next president. Dan, you're conce- I'm not conceding anything, folks. You listen to my speeches or my show. I'm just telling you what the probabilities are. If you don't like that, I'm very sorry. I'm not conceding anything. We need to fight and fight and fight. That's what we do on this show. But there's a strong likelihood that the father of the man under investigation, Joe Biden, father of Hunter Biden for the liberals who missed it, will appoint an attorney general to oversee the case against his own kid. Why would we not appoint a special counsel again? If, please, if you could explain to me as a sentient, free-thinking being, how that is not a conflict of interest that would require a special counsel under the Democrats' own rules for special counsels, I'm open to hearing it. I'm sorry, Mr. Barr, this is a bad call. You'll obviously disagree. I think this is a terrible, destructive call. There is no question of my mind in my mind that if Joe Biden walks into the White House, he will do everything in his power. I don't care what Jen Psaki, his spokeswoman, said. Everything in his power to obstruct the investigation into his son. So it was A-OK to appoint a special counsel to look into the pee hoax and the collusion hoax. Everybody knew was fake from the start that dragged on for three years with this Bob Mueller fiasco. But it's not OK to appoint a special counsel to look into the potential president's son who's under investigation by the FBI now? How is that? New rules, ladies and gentlemen. The Democrats wanted the new rules. Remember my new rules show? The old rules are gone. But we have the Constitution. The Democrats don't care about the Constitution. A Constitution only matters if it constitutes a series of principles that both sides abide by. What does a Constitution matter if half the country says it doesn't matter? I don't understand. I'm not kidding. Fidelity to the Constitution only matters if everybody agrees it constitutes something. A set of guiding principles, laws and regulations and rules we abide by. The left doesn't care. So if the left has thrown that out and now likes the appointment of special counsels, which I agree are a terrible idea. 
But the other half of the country, the libs, folks, they don't agree. They think special counsels for political punishment are a terrific idea. Okay, those are your rules. New rules are we're going to take your rules and shove them up your caboose. You think special counsels are a great idea, despite the fact that they are probably extra constitutional and violate separation of powers? We'll play by those rules, too. When your guy's up and he's being investigation, time for a special counsel. When you're ready to go back to the old rules, I'm all ears. Until then, take your rules and swallow them like the syrup of Ipecac. They wanted this. They wanted these new rules. So let's give them to them. Whoever, I think Jeff Rosen is going to be the new acting attorney general for the next month or so. Don't leave without appointing a special counsel for Hunter Biden. They're their rules, folks, not ours. They like their new rules. Let's see how much they really like their new rules. Because the only way to go back to the old rules is to make liberals feel the effect of their new rules and say, you know what? I think I'd like the old rules better where we had a constitution and actual separation of powers that protected all of us. That sounded really good. But they won't know it sounds good until what sounds really bad, which is a special counsel investigating their guy. All right, let me get to my third sponsor and I want to get to this next piece because it's important. I want to explain to you what's going to happen. There are members of Congress looking to challenge the January 6th reading out of the Electoral College votes, how this is going to work. None of these paths are good, folks. That's why I keep talking about probabilities and I'm not going to mislead you. I don't give up or concede anything, but I'm not going to mislead you. We'll get to that next. All right, today's show brought to you by our friends at Hims. Listen, 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35. Do you know that? Come on, men, our hair, we're like Samson. We need our hair. You need your hair. We love our hair. I Listen, it's a pretty sensitive topic to me. I'm not losing my hair because of that, because of the chemo stuff. It hasn't fallen out yet, which is crazy. But we love our hair. That's why I'm a little freaked out about it. When you notice thinning hair, it can be too late. 4 is a one-stop shop for hair loss. It's time to write a new chapter where you have new, beautiful, flocking manes of hair, Samson style. Hims is helping guys be the best version of themselves with licensed medical providers and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. This isn't some cheesy gas station snake oil pill kind of nonsense. Hims was created by a guy who knows uh, some men's health conversations are easier online and in person. No more awkward in-person doctors' visits or long pharmacy lines. For Hims connects you to licensed medical professionals online, save you hours, and then awkwardness save too. Completely confidential and discreet. Just answer a few quick questions. A medical professional will review it. When they determine it's right for you, they can prescribe you medication to treat hair loss that is shipped directly to your door. Today, Hims is giving you their best offer yet. If you're not happy, get a load of this about the results after 90 days. Hims, Hims gives you a full refund. Uh, what do you got to lose? And right now, my listeners can get their first visit absolutely free. Go to 4 Hims. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash Bongino. Forhims.com slash Bongino. Forhims.com slash Bongino. Do not wait. 
Prescription products require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's 4 slash Bongino. Check it out. Don't wait. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, not watching, I'm watching Paula's response. I'm telling you, it's a great company. All right, moving on. We got to get you on camera. It is a must. I have so many people asking, like, when is Miss Paula going to get on camera? It will happen. We're uh, eventually going to build out a new studio. We've finished up our tech. So uh, we'll eventually build out a newer, bigger studio where I can walk around and we can get a camera. She has a camera. She just doesn't want to do it for now. But I'm convincing her slowly based on audience feedback because her responses sometimes are absolutely priceless. All right, let's go back. Epic Times has a piece about this. So very serious topic. Some congressional leaders met with President Trump at the White House yesterday. They plan on contesting what's going to happen on January 6th. What happens on January 6th? Why does it matter to you? I'll get to it. Let me just get to this headline. Jack Phillips, Phillips at the Epic Times. Read the piece. Be in the show notes today. Mark Meadows, President Trump's chief of staff. Trump met with several congressional members on fraud and they, quote, will fight back. What does that mean? Well, let's dig into the piece and find out. One member of the Senate and one member of the House are needed to challenge a state's electoral college votes. No senator has definitely confirmed they would challenge the electoral college votes. This readout happens on January 6th, an important date, folks. Although Senator-elect Tommy Tuberville in Alabama and Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky have both suggested they may join House member Mo Brooks and other GOP House representatives. What does this mean? Very simply, on January 6th, there is a reading in the House of the presidential electors and their votes. 50 states have confirmed those slates of electors. Some states or, or the Republican Party have sent uh, an, an alternate slate, but the states have confirmed their electors. Those will be read out up on Capitol Hill. There is a process, though. A House member can object to that slate of electors. Say, say Florida has 29 electors. They're going to go for President Trump because President Trump won Florida. Those 29 electors have signed ballots, have signed their, their presidential elector statements. They're going to Someone can challenge that, can challenge the slate of electors. Now, let me read out to you from the National Constitution Center. What happens if a now just to be clear, Joe, if I'm not explaining this well, you know, it's your obligation you to stop it. me. A yeah. House member can object. But in order for that objection to be formally lodged, a senator from a senator has to do it, too. So they need a House member and a Senate member. All right. OK, what happens then? Mm -hmm. Well, let's go to the National Constitution Center, constitutioncenter.org. And here is it. What happens? Objections to individual state returns must be made in writing by at least one member of the Senate, as I just said, and House of Representatives. Both. You can't have one. It's not an e either or. It's both. If an objection to that slate of electors meets these requirements, the joint session recesses and the two houses, the House and the Senate, separate, debate the question in their chambers for a maximum of two hours. The two houses then vote separately to accept or reject the objection. They then reassemble in joint session and announce the results of their respective votes. An objection to a state's electoral vote must be approved by both houses in order for any contested votes to be excluded. Folks, 
this is where the probability part comes in, which I owe to you. I don't owe you any dishonesty for the sake of effect. No matter who gets up and objects to a state, say Michigan, where we, we, there was fraud. Was there enough fraud to overturn the state's electoral vote? We don't know that, but there was unquestionably fraud in Michigan. So say a House member and a Senate member uh, object to those state electors and say, no, even though they went to Biden, the state's confirmed it, we're objecting. That's great, and I think that fight should continue. But what happens, Joe? It gets debated for a maximum of two hours. Two hours, yeah. They have two hours to debate it, and the House and Senate vote on it. Ladies and gentlemen, the House is controlled by Democrats. Nancy Pelosi controls the House. They are not going to agree to that. That's not giving up. That's not conceding anything. That's just hard political football. I think the fight continues. I think the fight should continue. I support their efforts to do it. But the hard political reality is unless some Democrats fold, which they won't because they hate this man, they're just going to shut it down. I wish I had better news for you there. But I'm not going to make it up. But the fight does matter. It always matters. You know, I just real quickly before we move on, I got a couple more stories I want to get to. They're important, a little different than yesterday's show, which was very long and lengthy, but spelled out the whole Spygate thing and why Barr is wrong. Folks, two things that haven't been explained to me about this election cycle and why I'm not, because you may ask, you know, some liberals, that, fair enough, if you watch my show, you may say, Dan, why are you still refusing to concede this election? Because ladies and gentlemen, I haven't had two electoral abnormalities explained to me in any sufficient way that satisfies my curiosity about the results. Number one, how is it that signature match verification was at some of the lowest points we've seen in modern times, despite the fact that historic numbers of people voted through the mail, where the only verification process was your signature on a ballot? You never showed up and showed an ID at a polling location. You literally signed a ballot. You got in the mail and gave it to your mailman. How is it that in an election where untold historic numbers of people, their only authenticating feature on their ballot was their signature? Historic numbers of people did that. And yet signature matches where, where, they, where they found a problem with it was at the lowest level in modern history. That doesn't make any sense. More people use signatures to authenticate and less people screwed it up. It doesn't make sense. In an election where more people use mail ballots, you think historic numbers of people would have screwed it up based on statistical data we have from elections past where we know how many people, one to 2%, typically screw up a mail ballot. It wasn't one to 2%. Some states it was 0.3%. That doesn't make any sense. First time people vote by mail and magically more people succeed at it? Does that make sense to you? That has not been explained to me sufficiently. Second, the roll-off phenomenon. How historic numbers of people in inner cities voted for Joe Biden at the top of the ballot and skipped all of the other races on the ballot. A logical explanation would be some 
of those votes were probably fraud. Why does that mean fraud, Dan? Because if you're going to vote fraudulently and you need to overcome a big voting deficit, you don't have time to fill out every single ba- every single election on the ballot. You just vote for Biden at the top because that's your primary concern and you mail it in. Historic numbers of people only voted for Biden and never voted on any other election on that ballot. It doesn't make sense, folks. The Democrats are in no eager rush to explain it to anyone. All right, got one final sponsor, and I want to get this. I got a little bit of a cut from uh, my Turning Point speech, which a lot of, I don't usually play my own stuff, as you know, it's rare. But um, I got a really nice email from a gentleman who lost his son. It was very touching. Me and Paul uh, read it yesterday. It was, uh, and he was a little bit inspired by some of the speech. I want to play that, and I want to just get to some warning signs if you live in a liberal city too, so don't go anywhere. Our final sponsor today, our friends at Simply Safe. Listen, everyone wants to keep their home and family safe. Everyone. Whether it's from a break-in, a fire, flooding, or, God forbid, a medical emergency. What's the solution? Simply Safe. It's what we use right here. You know my background in security. I don't mess around. We use Simply Safe to secure our home. We have an arsenal of cameras and sensors everywhere. It's award-winning 24-7 protection with the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back, both day and night, ready to send police, fire, EMTs when you need them straight to your door. Simply Safe has an arsenal of sensors and cameras. They protect every inch of your home. You can set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. Paula did it for our house. Why didn't you do it? Because Paula's actually handier than I am, and Joe can attest to that. That is true. It's super easy. Simply Safe's professionals take over. They monitor your home 24-7, send help the moment you need it, and the moment there's an alarm. Plus, with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract. They don't need it. No hidden fees, no installation costs. Right now, my listeners get a free home security camera. We have one right there. When you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino. Get the URL right to get the, you can also get a 60-day risk-free trial. Make sure you get the URL right. So there's nothing to lose for you. Go to Simply Safe, S-I-M-P-L-I-I, simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino for your free security camera today. That's simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino. Go today. All right, let me uh, motor through this one quick. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are one of our audience members in a blue state, and we have many of them, we do a lot of diagnostics on our audience and uh, and uh, and uh, demographic studies to see who's listening where. Uh, we don't know your name, but we can tell where the URLs or the IPs are from. We have big audiences in California and New York. Ladies and gentlemen, emulate Snake Plissken and escape from New York and L.A. as soon as you can. But please don't vote the crap you voted in up there down here in states like Florida where I live. <laughs> the increasing peril I have this, right? The, Joe, poor Joe lives in Maryland. The increasing peril of living in liberal states. It's happening by the minute. Not a joke. What am I talking about? This article will be in the show notes. Check out John Solomon's cool site, justthenews.com. Some California lawmakers want to impose a wealth tax with far-reaching tentacles. Okay, that's not news in California. California wants to tax wealthy people. You're like, Dan, how's that breaking news? No, no, no. Listen to the, how this spectacularity works. They not only want a wealth tax. If you go to California, you have like a rental, an Airbnb, and you stay there for more than a certain amount of time. Look at what they're going to do to you. Check out this piece. Read this just a news piece. This is like a horror show. The wealth tax proposal that was pushed this year applies to up to a 0.4% tax on the amount of a state resident's net worth, not your income, your net worth, over $30 million. The proposed bill would have made those who spend more than 60 days in California a year 
subject to some level of this wealth tax. The amount of the person's wealth subject to the tax would depend on the amount of time spent in the state during the prior 10 years. And under the proposal, even leaving the state would not free the taxpayer of the burden because anyone who'd been subject to the tax in the preceding 10 years would still be subject to some level of the tax for up to 10 years. Ladies and gentlemen, do not visit. I don't know what to tell you. I'm very sorry for our friends there. You, if you are a person who's been successful and you are going to stay in California and this thing passes, evacuate as soon as you can. I am very sorry, but I cannot recommend with a straight face that you go to these places. You say, Dan, you said liberal states, not state. California is bad enough. Why? You know, I love our California friends. My buddy who's the manager in the restaurant, I never say where because I don't want libs to burn it down. I love you all. I always, viewers and listeners, I love you, but please get out while you can if you're a conservative. I'm serious. The place is a disaster area. New York too. What about New York? Check out this video by the communist mayor of New York City, de Blasio, who's not even hiding his Vladimir Lenin, Joseph Stalin allegiance at this point. What's the very um, core tenet of socialism? From each according to his abilities to each according to his needs. In other words, redistribution of wealth, right? That's what socialism is. Socialism, communism, it's the same thing. Only pseudo-intellectuals want you to believe there's a difference. There isn't. Right. This is not stealth edited. This is actually the mayor of New York City going full Vladimir Lenin right now talking about socialist principles. Check this out. We needed to profoundly change the distribution of resources. Uh, I like to say very bluntly, our mission is to redistribute wealth. A lot of people bristle at that phrase. That is, in fact, the phrase we need to use. We have been doing this work for seven years to more equitably redistribute resources throughout our school system. That means pre-K for all, 3K for all, advanced placement courses. He's, he's 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 not even hiding it. This is an actual principle of communism, mm-hmm. communism, the redistribution of wealth. He's not hiding it. He's like, matter of fact, when Fox called him out for it, he gave another thing. He's like, Fox is right. I really want to redistribute your wealth. So a couple of things here I thought about being this show is heavy on economics. We go back and forth. Spygate, Hunter Biden, economics. That's what's different about this show. Where's the wealth distribution center? Anyone? There isn't any. Of course, the Wealth Distribution Center, sane people, unlike Bill DeBalzio, didn't, not a mistake, not SIC. I liked it. Me too. The Wealth Distribution Center, Joe, is called a job. (laughs) The wealth is, quote, distributed because Joe goes to work every day. Yeah. Joe contracts out with us, provides us services. We then pay Joe upon an invoice where we redistribute our own money to Joe for services provided. It's called a job, a J-O-B, a J-O-Bizzle, a job. A wealth distribution center is a job. Wealth is not distributed. It's earned. That's a communist saying, literally. One more point on this. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason redistributing other people's earnings doesn't work is because nobody goes to work 
to pay for somebody else. For the liberals listening, because you're really dopey, I'm not kidding, and I get that. I was a graduate student in neuropsychology at the City University of New York. Because eh, I hate when people talk about their education. So, but this story has a purpose. It's not to tout my educational bona fides. Nobody cares. But we did a lot of experimental psychology and on, on we, we would use animal studies. And typically it was with these mice. And you have to dipper train mice. Those of you who've done experimental psychology, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You get them thirsty. You put them in a cage with water and there's a dipper. A mouse doesn't, by instinct, hit the dipper. They don't know what the dipper is. So when they're thirsty, they want water. So what do you got to have them do? When they get closer to the dipper, you reward them. And then closer to the dipper, and then you reward them. And eventually they put their little mouse paw on the dipper, and they hit the dipper, and water comes out. And then what do you see the mouse do? The mice. Ding, 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 ding. They hit the water all day. That takes a long time to dipper train a mouse. It does. Some of the students in the class, it would take them weeks. The, it's not instinct. They don't just figure it out. Oh, look, there's a metal handle. Let me put water comes out. I never once, never once, Joseph, saw a mouse who was thirsty learn to dipper train to give water to another mouse. <laughs> I never saw that happen. I never <laughs> once was like, the mouse was like, okay, I hit this dipper and Joey the mouse gets what? This is great. Let me hit the dipper all day. It'll never, he'll never hit the damn dipper. We're no different. Human beings don't go to work to pay for someone else's car. We don't do it. It just doesn't happen. That only happens with communists where it doesn't happen and people starve to death because they're not going to farm their fields to feed government bureaucrats and not their own family. If you're an experimental psychology student and you dipper train the mouse to give water to another thirsty mouse, email me. I'd love to hear your story because it's never happened ever. Write that paper up. We'll put it on the show in the Journal of Experimental Psychology. Maybe they'll take it tomorrow. The Balzio thinks you go to work to pay for someone else's kids because he's that stupid. Now, this is best summed up. This is what Joe was talking about by these videos. We're getting to all these today because Joe liked them and he gave the greatest tease ever. Not planned at the beginning of the show. No. Here's the great Dinesh D'Souza, one of the smartest men. I've had him on the show twice in my interview series. Explaining a terrific analogy of why redistributing, redistributing someone else's efforts never, ever works. Analogies are great. Check this out. He talks about three children fighting over a flute. He says that one of them, Carla, made the flute. A second one, Anne, um, believes that she is the best flute player and therefore deserves the flute. And a third, Bob, who is um, the disadvantaged one. Bob has never had a flute, and therefore he claims that he's the most deserving recipient of the flute. And essentially, Amartya Sen goes, these people all sort of have a claim. He goes, um, the claim of Carla is the libertarian claim of uh, ownership by creation. 
the uh, claim of Anne is the utilitarian claim uh, that it would maximize happiness to, to, to enable the person who plays the flute best to have the flute. And of course, Bob's claim, you can call it the sort of leftist claim or the progressive claim, the victimology claim. Um, and, um, and Amartya Sen's point is, to whom should we assign the flute? And I want to zoom in here on the word we, because you notice what's really going on is Amartya Sen has silently transferred ownership of the flute from the person who made the flute to the state. To whom should we? Somehow he suddenly has a say in who gets the flute. But let's think about it. How did the flute come to be in the first place? Carla made the flute. It's Carla's flute. Absent Carla, there wouldn't be a flute. So there's no question of redistributing the flute. Flutes don't fall from the sky. Flutes aren't allocated in some original distribution. Flutes are created just as wealth is created. And what, what de Blasio means by wealth redistribution is confiscating wealth from the people who created it, giving it to people who didn't create it in exchange for their votes. That's the progressive ploy. Oh. Amen, yeah. Brother Dinesh. Beautifully stated. The flute story. Who has the entitlement, air quotes, to the flute? It doesn't matter. The person who created it created the flute, and if they don't create more flutes, there'll be no flutes. If you start taking their flutes and giving them to people who didn't make the flutes, there'll be no more flutes left. It doesn't matter who you think should have the flute. All that matters is you'll have no more flutes left the minute you take it from the person who actually created it and gave it to someone else. That's all that matters. It'll be the end of flutes. Like it was the end of people eating regularly in communist countries when they instituted confiscation of their farm goods and everybody starved to death in the Great Famines. Because you're not going to farm your land to feed someone else. You'd rather be dead. And they were. By the hundreds of millions. But keep it up, the Balzio. <sighs> Great job, Dinesh. By the way, Dinesh has a terrific video account on Rumble. You know, I'm an investor in Rumble, but his, he has these videos up there. They're really good. Subscribe to his account on Rumble in addition to mine, if you don't mind. It's really good. He has videos like this everywhere. There aren't many better explainers than Dinesh. Okay, folks, here's how we're going to end the show on a uh, little bit of a happy note. Uh, so I was at the Turning Point USA Conference, the Student Action Summit this weekend in West Palm. Um, and uh, I put this speech up, by the way, on my parlor account this morning, right before my I do these exclusive teases of the show. I'm at D. Bongino on Parlor, uh, if you'd like to follow me. Um, but I put this whole speech up thanks to Rich Cementa, who put it on his account, and I just retweeted his link to his Rumble account. If you'd like to watch the whole speech, about 20 minutes long, I, I poured my heart into it. And uh, I appreciate all the, the young warriors out there who showed up for the conference. But there was one part where the reason I mentioned this, this is about two minutes or so, hat tip to Breitbart, who put it on their social media account. A lot of hat tips, sorry, folks, but it's the right thing to do. Breitbart seemed to like this part. I was talking about the, my unfortunate cancer diagnosis. I'll be okay. I'm the, it's not a sob story for anyone. But how it made me reflect on things. And I brought up this piece of life advice that I got from the, the Black Swan, a book from Nassim Taleb. It's in his book. And the piece of life advice I discussed is about collecting opportunities but not chasing trains. Play the clip. 
And uh, I'll get to why it's important because I'm always asked the best piece of advice ever. People come up to me, Dan, what's the best piece of advice you got from my son? And I say, collect opportunities, but never, ever chase trends. Check this out. You know, most of you know, I, I was diagnosed with cancer recently. It really sucked to say the least. That wasn't the best day of my life. But, um, you know, it's one of the reasons I came out today and I wanted to thank you all. I am... Um, Things look different when you get news like that. I know a lot of you in this room, sadly, have been touched by it. Family members, sadly, some of you here yourselves. Thankfully, it's treatable, and I think I'll be okay. I'm about a month into treatment now. But everything... Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I, I do appreciate it. I will say this. The scare it gave me, your most valuable gift you've been given by anyone outside of life, your life in general, by the God, God our creator, is time. Don't screw it up. You all are young. You have the opportunity to go out there and collect vast troves of opportunities. You collected an opportunity by coming here. The book, The Black Swan, one of the best pieces of advice you'll ever read is collect opportunities, but don't chase trains. Collect every opportunity you can to meet someone, to talk to someone, to seed an idea, to go take an extra class, to read an extra book. Don't waste a moment of your time. You have an expiration date. And one of these days you'll have to come to reckon with that. Don't think because you're young that you can waste the time now. You can't. You're the warriors on the front lines of liberty. You have a fire in your heart so much greater than some of your fellow students out there who don't get that fight because you chose to do something and collect opportunities. But don't chase trains either. Meaning the train gets there at 8 and you got there at 8.01, then damn it, that's your fault. And you screwed up. If you're chasing the train, you screwed up. Best life advice I ever read. It's a powerful book by Nassim Taleb, The Black Swan. I talked about it so often. And if I could sum it up in a sentence, it's exactly that. I give this advice to anyone who ever asks. Collect every opportunity you can. Time is your most valuable gift. I know it's said often, but we do have an expiration date. But you never think about it until you get a diagnosis of a disease you think could be fatal. Luckily, mine is treatable. But it didn't have to be. And we didn't know that for a long time, me and Paula. And all of a sudden, you start to realize that time is the one thing you can never, ever buy back. Doesn't matter how powerful you are, what title you have, how much money you've inherited or earned. It makes no difference. You can't buy one second back. Not all the money on planet Earth, earned or unearned, can buy back even one second of time. Not one. Don't waste it. Talib's advice in his book, he talks about he was trying to get some characteristics of these unbelievably successful people. Sure, sure, there had to be something. They were the best looking, the smartest, the most athletic. What was it about them? They had the wealthiest parents. He tried to find common characteristics of these unbelievably successful people, and he couldn't find it in the book. But you know what he found? The one thing they all did? These incredibly successful people across science, medicine, entertainment, education, it didn't matter. They all collected opportunities and didn't waste time. Every opportunity. 
an opportunity to read a book, to read another article, to take another class, to educate yourself, to stay an extra hour at work, to produce that one extra product, to think through on a weekend that one new idea you had. Everybody's got a plan. Plans don't mean squat. Who implements the plan? It does something about it. The do matters, not the talk. Don't waste your time. Collect every opportunity to learn from someone else, to go to a conference, to seed your mind with a new idea. Don't waste a second of it ever, especially if you're young, because that expiration date's not looking down your neck. It's not breathing over your shoulder. You don't think it's real. Trust me, it's very real. I learned that the hard way this year. You will see your life totally different. Collect every opportunity. Don't waste a second. You can't buy it back no matter how much you earn, no matter how much you're worth. No fancy car. There is no tradings. There's no tradebacks, nothing. That second's lost. It's gone forever. But do not chase trains. He tells a story in a book, Talib, about a friend. And they would come to a different conclusion, but I always took away from that. If you say you're going to do something, then you damn well better do it. If that train comes at 8 o'clock and you arrive at 8.01, that is your fault, as I said in the speech. You blew it. No one else. Don't ever chase a train. You know what time it's going to be there. Be there five minutes early and get there every day. You committed to going to college, you committed to a project, then you damn well better finish it. I only had one rule with my daughter with sports. Once she signed up for the season, I don't care how bad it got, she was playing that season out no matter what. And she knew that rule. Don't chase trains. The train comes at 8. Be there at 7.55. No excuses. Collect every opportunity. Don't waste time. Thanks for all the feedback on the speech. I really appreciate it. Again, you can watch the whole thing on my parlor account. I linked to Rich Cementa's uh, Rumble account, so I uh, deeply appreciate it. Hey, please check out the uh, our new uh, aggregator, our alternative to the now left-leaning Drudge Report, BonginoReport.com. You can get all your news of the day there, and we really appreciate it. The website's just exploded. Best conservative news of the day. Hat tip Matt Palumbo, who does it. We've got some news there, too, coming up. Uh, and also, if you subscribe to my Rumble account, I'd really appreciate it. Rumble.com slash Bongino, where you can watch the video version of this show. We're almost at a million subscribers. Thanks for all your loyalty to the show, folks. I really appreciate it. We don't chase trains here. We show up every morning for you because you're mad at us. Thanks a lot. See you tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.